ask you to increase your prayer. Let's get back to the basics. We talked last week about uh, the altar uh, when uh, our building... Um, a place for God and David going and getting the Ark of the Covenant back after Uzzah or Uzzah or however you want to say his name reached out to touch the Ark to steady it and he died. And they're like, oh, we don't want the Ark. We don't want the presence. It kills people. So let's send it away. They send it to Obed-Edom's house and everything that Obed-Edom's house touched prospered because the presence was there. And so they're like, hey, David, um, we might have made a mistake. The presence doesn't kill people, it actually blesses you. And he's like, well, let's do some research. And he goes and researches the proper way to carry the presence of God. And that's where we're at as a church. We're going back to school and we're gonna do research and find out what pleases the Lord. If we do things in this house, if we're doing things that we call church or we call Christianity that isn't pleasing to him, we're gonna stop doing it. Because he asked us to do some very specific things. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. We've made it everything else but prayer. Are you all okay? And so I'm asking you to, to come back to the altar. I, I, I found some altars this week, but I, some of them are so ridiculously expensive. I'm gonna, I want to find some old ones. I don't want some new ones. I want some old ones that have tears on them. And we're going to bring the altars back in here because this has to be a house of prayer. Amen. So I'm inviting you back into prayer. Would you increase your prayer? We're breaking up. And when you pray, will you specifically at least at some point in your prayer time, pray for the Fire Life Church for God to break up the fallow ground. That's the season we're in. We're breaking up the ground. Amen. All right. Well, it doesn't say it on there, but this is, we're doing a Daniel fast. In, uh, at the top up here, it just says a Daniel fast, January 2nd through 11th. It's a 10-day fast. That's all it is. You're like, well, what is a Daniel fast? Well, in the Bible, in, in the story of Daniel and the three Hebrew children, They decided they weren't going to eat the king's food and drink the king's wine. And they said, give us a 10-day test. We'll eat what is pleasing to our God. And at the end of 10 days, you can test us. And if we look haggard, (laughs) if we look worn out and ugly, and if we're not as wise, our minds aren't as sharp, then we'll go back and we'll eat what your king tells us to eat. So they let him do it for 10 days. And the Bible says that after those 10 days, they tested him. And they were wiser than they were before They were wiser than all the wise men. They were more handsome and beautiful. Their skin was cleaner. And they said, you can keep eating what pleases pleases your God. It was a Daniel fast. So we're going to do that. It's fruits. It's vegetables. If you want to take a screenshot of that, if you you want to, um, you can look it up on the internet, a Daniel fast. These are what we're going to eat on those 10 days, uh, January 2nd through 11th. And it's it's a simple fast. Um, simple fast, but we're doing it because we want God to move. We're putting a target on fire life and we want God to move. So that's the Daniel fast. Everybody get good? (laughs) That's my biggest one. Like Jesus is asking for my coffee. (laughs) And then on here, um, Sat, this is going to be, we're going to do one of these a month. We're going to start having a prayer meeting. They're not always going to be on a Saturday. They'll be different times, but I wanted to put one on the calendar. And the first one we're going to do is on, on Saturday, January 15th from five to six. If you can be here, be here. We're going to, we're just going to pray and call out to God. We're going to walk into this room right here and we're going to cry out to God because the Lord told us that revival is here and revival is coming. And then we need to, we need to be ready for it when it comes. Amen. All right, uh, we're going to take up the offering. So if you have your offering in person, we're going to pass that around. Um, 
I, I wrote this. We believe that nothing happens in the kingdom without a declaration. So we're going to declare over our finances today. And I wrote, I added some specific things in here, some new things. So if you'll just say this with me, we're believing that God's going to hear our prayer and he's going to um, add strength to our offering or to our sacrifice. So as we receive, ready? As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for heaven open, earth invaded, fallow ground restored, curses broken, storehouses unlocked, supernatural encounters, dreams and visions, prophecies, Holy Spirit outpouring, divine appointments, an infilling of greater joy, revival in every home, amen to that, souls and more souls from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revelation, and this is our prayer. Thank you, Father, for showering favor, blessings, and increase upon me so I have more than enough to co-labor with heaven and see Jesus get his full reward. And we all say amen to that. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll give, we'll pass the buckets, and I'll uh, get back to the very beginning here, and we'll be, we'll be good. All right. One more thing I want to do. Hey, Shagoon, can you come up here? I think you have a birthday coming up, right? Am I right? You got another birthday coming up? <laughs> Yeah, we just want to tell you we love you, man. We bless you. And I want to get this for you. But can we stretch our hands towards you? I want to bless him. As a man of God, a humble man, a man of authority, a man of power, we declare over you, you are a, you are a priest. <laughs> you have been a set aside from, from the day you were born. You've been set aside unto the Lord. <laughs> you belong to him. You are a priest. You've been called into his kingdom for such a time as this. God, we bless this man with strength, with wisdom. We bless him with miracles and signs and wonders. We bless him with supernatural. Come on. We bless him with wisdom that no one's seen before. Hmm. Thank you, God. We bless his family. We bless his business. In Jesus' name. Amen. We love you, man. Thank you. Love you, too. Thank you. Amen. Amen. All right. Woo. Amen. Y'all good? Good morning, good morning. Well, the Lord is doing some really good things, and we want him to keep doing them. I'm going to be a little bit short today. I want it to be focused. I want to give focus to what God's doing and what he's been doing. Um, and so would you just ask, ask the Lord to come and give us wisdom. God, give us wisdom and revelation today that we may know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we're in the middle of this where... Um, Hopefully all of you have heard by now. If you haven't, you can listen to the message from two weeks ago on uh, the encounter that, that we experienced here when we're filming a, a master class for Bible, and it changed my life, and I, I, it's one of those moments that marked me forever. There's very specific times I can remember where God did something, and it changed my life. How many of you have had a, an encounter like that where, like, you know God touched you, and you're like, okay, I'm going to remember that moment? So you know what I'm talking about, where you're like, how could I ever go back to life as normal? How could I ever go back and just say, oh, I've got this from here, or uh, I've made it, I've, I've made it now, you know, <laughs> I've arrived. No, there, it, it should rearrange our lives. And I, I think I made the statement um, when I told her the story, but I did, I wrote it in my phone, and, and it was like, this was my note to myself, after this encounter, it would be a sin for me to go back to normal life. It just would be a sin. After all the things that God did to arrange the encounter, it would be foolish for me not to rearrange my life. 
I want you to think about that for a moment. After all the things God's done for us to rearrange our lives, it would be foolish of us not to let him continue to rearrange our lives. We're in a place right now where God is calling us really into deeper waters. Amen? It's, I think it's Psalm 42 that says, deep calls to deep. The deep places in us respond to the deep call in God's heart. See, the, the deep call from our heart doesn't start with us. Like, we didn't find Jesus. He called to us, and we responded to him. He said, come closer to me. And we're like, I will come closer. He said, come seek my face. And my heart said, your face, O Lord, I will seek. Like, we didn't initiate this response to God. Where you're at right now in your relationship with God wasn't because you started something. It's because he initiated it. All the stuff that's going on, he's initiating it in our lives. And for us to not allow it to completely rearrange the way we do life would be foolish. It would be basically spitting in his face. Amen? He initiates, right? And we respond. Would you open to Romans chapter 12? Romans 12. I'm going to read it from two translations, okay? Romans 12, 1. It says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. I want to read it from the Passion Translation. It says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercy? <laughs> what should be our response? to God's marvelous mercy? The answer to that question is to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all the delight in his heart. For this becomes your genuine, your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful, satisfying, and perfect, uh, live, live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. And we'll say amen to that. The thing I want to highlight today is what should our response be? What should our response be? <clears throat> All through scripture, there would be great encounters, and then people would say, well, what, what, sh what does this mean? What should we do because of this? Uh, I remember there's one in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas, remember that? They praised God in the jail until the jailhouse rocked and they were set free from the jail, and the jailer was afraid. 
Oh my, this happened on my watch. They're going to kill me because I let these guys out. And, and they were like, hey, what are, you, what, what are you worried about? He's like, well, well you're, we're going to get killed now. He's like, don't worry about that. So the story goes on, and the man says to them, what does this mean? All of this that we saw happen, what does this mean? And they preached the gospel to him. Like, surrender. He says, if you believe in God, he will save you, and he will save your entire household. But the, the thing there that was highlighted to me is, what does this mean? It happens all through scripture. Jesus would do something and the people would say, what does this mean? I don't think they were asking, what, what is the conclusion? What's the answer to the question here? I think they were saying, well, if that's true, then how do I live going forward? If, if that's how you move, God, then, then what does it look like from here on out? Because I've got to reassess how I see the world. That's what's happening here. That's what's happening at Firelife. The Lord is revealing himself to us, and we're starting to say, what does this mean? Because we know that the way we've lived up until this point has been inferior. It's been less than. It has been without the supernatural encounter with God. I love what Ashley shared. Am I, who, who am I? Do you believe I am who I say I am? Yes. Do you believe I will do what I said I will do? Yes. Well, then ask me. Like, that's the light being turned on inside of us right now. See, we know that we're having a mind that's being transformed when we begin to see the world differently. We begin to see impossible things through the eyes of Jesus. When our first response is no longer from the deficit or from poverty mentality, or our first response doesn't go, oh, what do I have? We've got nothing. Everyone say, we've got nothing. <laughs> That's that John 8 scripture where it says the father of lies. He's been lying from the beginning because everything he says comes from his own resources. What made the devil a liar? He spoke from his own resources. What makes us attached to the father of lies? We look to our own resources. And we've been living like that for a long time as individuals and as a church. We've been living from crisis to crisis. We've been living from trauma to trauma. And the Lord's saying, it's a new day. I'm doing something new. And I want you to know this is what you're going to have. He's beginning to show pictures of what the future is going to look like. Is there anyone else in here that's beginning to see in your mind pictures of the future for your family, for your business, for the church? The Lord is beginning to show dreams and visions. Why is he doing that? He's saying, look to the future. This is where we're going. You better change the way you think right now to get to that point. I love the encounter that I had with Corey Russell and the thing that he said about the tears getting the witchcraft out of our eyes. I can't get away from that statement because witchcraft makes us look through the past through the wrong lens and it perverts what we look back upon. It makes us see things that weren't there. It makes us feel things that weren't real. It makes us experience things that were never intended because it's witchcraft. But witchcraft also affects our future. It makes us look to the future with the same lens of lies. And the Lord is breaking the lies of witchcraft off of us, off of our families, off of the church. And because this is true, what does this mean? What should our proper response be? Romans tells us, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Holy, pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
and don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is. As we look into the future, we see what God wants to give us, what he's made available to us, what he's initiated, if we will respond to it. How many have learned through life that, that all of God's promises are yes and amen? Yeah. yeah. How many have also learned that his promises are conditional? Not on him. Like he's, he's not changing what he promises, but we can say yes or no to it. How do I know what to say yes to? I have to have a renewed mind. I have to see things from his perspective. I have to be able to test the spirits. I have to be able to discern. I have to be able to respond to his initiations. Are y'all okay? What should our response be? Offer ourselves. Yes. Yes, Lord. It's all through Revelation. It says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. All through scripture, he who have eyes to see, let him see. Where does all that come from? It comes from the mind being transformed. I feel that today is a, a continued invitation for all of us to have our mind transformed and renewed so that from this day forward, everything we face in life goes through the lens of his mind instead of our mind. The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. Now, the description in the scripture that I'm quoting says, who can know the mind of God? He's quoting an Old Testament prophet. Who can understand God? How many have ever felt that way before? I don't understand God. I don't know what he's doing. How's this working out for my good? I don't understand it. Who can know the mind of God? Who can understand him? But then Paul says, he adds to it, but we have the mind of Christ. We can understand it. And it comes through this transformation of our mind. I'm speaking to us individually, but I'm speaking to this house. The Lord is renewing the mind of this church. He's taking the witchcraft out of our eyes. Jesus. Yeah. Why don't you just turn your heart toward him right now? What are you doing, Jesus? What does it mean? We break that lie that says we don't have enough or we don't have anything.
We're shifting gears. Okay? You, already, you feel it today? Like, I, I, that's why I always like to come up and preach right after worship. I don't like the commercial break because we turn our minds off. It's like, boom, it's over. Like, no, 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 no. Stay. Stay connected. Stay in the moment. We're shifting gears as a house. The Lord has given us some very specific promises. And for them to happen, we're going to have to do things very differently going forward. Are you all okay with that? Yeah. We have to think differently. We have to think with a different mindset. We have to see every opportunity through different eyes. We, we can no longer hide behind lack. We can no longer hide behind we're small. We can no longer hide behind we don't have. We can no longer hide behind, well, we had this mess. We can no longer hide behind any of the stuff. They're all lies. All of it's a lie. Everything that comes from that poverty spirit is a lie. All of it. Acts chapter 2. How many knows what happens in Acts chapter 2? The Holy Spirit comes, right? The promise from Joel happens in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one house, and they were gathered together. They were in one accord. They were in unity. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Hmm. <laughs> And it says that fire fell on each one of their heads. And they began to praise God in their native tongue. And all these people were like, these guys are drunk. What in the world is happening to these people? They are acting like fools. And they're like, they're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. Which I guess there's a law. They, you couldn't be, be drunk. At, it's not five o'clock somewhere. It wasn't written back then, I guess. I, you know, I don't, but they're like, it's nine in the morning. What's wrong with you guys? They're not drunk. This is the promise. This is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they begin to hear them in their native languages from all over the world. They'd all gathered from all over the world, this great conference, and they begin to praise God in these native languages that they didn't know. Their tongues were native languages that they didn't know, and it was praising God in their home language. And they're like, how is this happening? They're like, it's the Holy Spirit. They're like, what does it mean? It means everything changes. It means everything changes from here on out. For us, for you, today, it means everything changes. It all has to shift. Are you willing? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to close out with a story from Jonah. And they called a fast in Jonah. How many remember they were going to repent because they didn't want God to destroy the city? There's like 100,000, 120,000 people there. They're like, we, we don't, Nineveh's like, we, we will repent. We do not want to be killed. So they called a, a, a fast. And in this fast, the Bible says that they told moms with little, little babies, don't nurse your babies during the fast. <sighs> Can you imagine that? I mean, nursing babies eat pretty often, right? And they, they don't act very nicely when they don't get to nurse. They're like, yeah, not even the babies are going to nurse. Oh, and beside that, you're not going to eat. The babies aren't going to eat. Oh, and all the animals of the field, all the babies, 
All the cows, the calves, the baby goats, all of them, separate them from their moms too. They're not nursing either. Can you imagine the sound? (laughs) The crying? I bet every man was just on edge. (laughs) We're we're such babies. We can't handle it. (laughs) Why Why did they do it that way? They're like, if God doesn't hear us, Maybe you'll hear the children. And if God doesn't hear the children crying, maybe you'll hear the animals crying out because we want to repent and we're desperate for God. See, in the Bible, when God showed up and he gave people new life, new opportunity, their response wasn't measured. Hello? Are y'all, y'all are, this is, this is a tough one today. Their, their response wasn't measured. They, their, it was extravagant, always. Oh, I'll, give, I'll give. Zacchaeus gives his heart to Jesus, literally gives his heart to Jesus, like, I'm going to follow you. And then he decides, I'm going to pay everyone back that I stole from, and I'm going to add, I'm going to double it and triple it. And Jesus never told them what to do. He made the decision. Because when Jesus wrecks our life and transforms us, Our response to him isn't what we can get by doing. I can work in a prayer meeting. I'm going to just go there. I I can work in one prayer meeting a month. Well, then that's not a sacrifice. Let's be honest. Yeah, I I got nothing going on between five and six on a Saturday. That's perfect. Perfect time. What happens if it's 11 p.m.? What happens if it's the middle of the day? Like, I'm just giving examples here of we, we, make our, we make our sacrifices to God fit in with what's... I can afford that. I can afford 10%. What if God tells you to give that homeless person $200? Can't afford that. We measure our offerings. And most of the time, we calculate it. Okay, this doesn't cost me anything. I can just move this around and yeah, I don't lose anything in my day. I, I, that's not an offering. I would, it's actually evil-minded. Because it's saying of God, I want everything you have for me, but I only want to give a little bit. We opened service last week with the story of David when he sinned and he wanted to repent before God and he wanted to offer this f- specific field. It had this, this well on it. This, this, it was this beautiful piece of property. He wanted to give it to God. And the guy's like, here, take it, king. You're my king. It's my offering to you. David's like, no, I want to pay full asking price because I can't offer God something that doesn't cost me anything. We don't know how to do the Jonah fast, <laughs> the Nineveh fast, where they, all right, kids aren't eating, dogs aren't eating, cows, horses, no one's eating until God lifts the weight off of us, until God hears us. It was not a measured response. 
And I, I hope that, that convic- it convicts me. Because that's how I run my schedule. Anyone else? These are all the things I have to do this week. Here are the inconvenient things on my schedule. How can I make the inconvenient things not cost me the things that I want? We all do that really well. We're good at it. We're like, we're accountants. Like, oh, well, I'll just move this around. Oopsie, didn't cost me anything. Didn't cost me any time. So I got to do my thing. And I hear the Lord calling us to a place of sacrifice. I'm not going to tell you what the sacrifice is. It's from you. It's between you and God. And here's the thing. Even if I think up a sacrifice, oh, I'm going to do this thing for God, that doesn't always cut it either. Because how many remember what happened with Saul? He's like, hey, kill everything. Oh, we didn't kill everything. We kept the best because we wanted to offer that to God. I mean, it makes sense, right? Well, we should have kept an offering. I can't believe God, God must have forgotten that. Surely he meant for us to do this thing. Samuel's like, hey, did you obey the Lord? Mm, yeah, 100%. We obeyed the Lord. Killed everything. Then how come I hear sheep? Oh, 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 yeah. We kept the best to give God an offering. He's like, God didn't ask for that offering. And he told him it was wicked. And he said, because of what you did, God's removed his hand from your life. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. So even sometimes when we think we're being cute with our sacrifice, that's not even what God wants. He wants our heart. He wants it to cost us our heart. He's not interested in the offerings and the sacrifices. He's interested in our heart. And if my heart is in it, then it becomes a beautiful sacrifice to him. Jesus was watching them take the offering one church day. And everyone's bringing their offering up. And all the rich people were dropping in their big offerings. And it was really awesome. And this little widow comes up and puts one little mite in. And Jesus is like, wow. What an amazing offering. Because it was all she had. And he praised her for it. It's not the amount, it's not the time, it's not the, oh, I give my whole, every, it's not, oh, I did this 40-day fast. If the Lord asks us to do that, we always do whatever he tells us. But the critical part of all of this is he wants our heart, and it should cost us something. We have preached a gospel that says it doesn't cost you anything to follow Jesus, and that's a lie. It costs everything to follow Jesus. It's not cheap. Salvation, free. Boom, free. Eternal life, you can get that just by believing in Jesus and saying yes to him. But all the rest of it, it costs us something. We have to deny ourselves. We have to pick up our cross and follow after him. He says those that put their hand to the plow and look back are not worthy for the kingdom. It's costly to follow Jesus. When he called his disciples, he says, leave your fishing nets, leave your fathers and mothers and come follow me. Oh, wait, let me go back and bury my my favorite people that I love. Let me at least wait until they're gone. Nope, don't worry about it. Let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. It costs something. Jesus teaches John 6, the most offensive sermon ever, and everyone starts leaving him. Paul, this is too hard a message. He just said we're going to eat his flesh and drink his blood. No, it was costly to follow Jesus closely. 
And this is where we are as a church. Here's what I know. If we'll say yes, if we'll pay the cost of our heart, his kingdom will come. I know it. If we will pay the cost of our heart, his kingdom will come. And all of our value systems will be changed. All of a sudden, we will see, oh, that's pleasing. That's your will. That's not impossible. He can heal that. What's a, what's, what's a bill? Oh, Jesus can do that. His kingdom will come. And all it costs us is our heart. And I think we've lost the art of knowing how to engage our heart. Ripping it open and engaging our heart. Hmm. In view of God's mercies, in view of, what is that saying? Because Jesus gave so much, because God gave so much, what should we give? What should our response be? We should offer our lives. How many want to be marked as a follower? It's going to cost us our heart. It's going to cost us our life. As we go forward, it can't be easy anymore. Why don't you stand? Because I'm closing with this. But it can't be easy anymore. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it like this. For at least 12 years, this, this 13 years, Mandy and I have been full-time pastoring. We've, we've mistakenly tried to make it cost very little. And the, the Lord's like, no, it's... it's I, as the pastor, I don't determine the cost. That would be manipulation. Listen to me. Y'all know that know me by now. If I stand here or someone stands here in this pulpit and tells you what your sacrifice should be or what your offering should be, it's, it could be manipulation. But if it's you and God, maybe someone can confirm what God's doing in your heart. Maybe it can, it can be a confirmation. But if it comes from up, if it comes from up here, it can be manipulation. I will not manipulate you. If you feel like I've manipulated you, you have my permission to come and talk to me immediately. Because my goal is not to get you to sacrifice. It doesn't do anything for me. But my goal is to get you to engage your heart with God. And the sacrifices that comes out of engaged hearts are beautiful. Amen. Jesus, you paid a heavy price. Come on, tell him. You paid a heavy price, Jesus. You gave your blood. You made every single decision with the Father's purpose and the Father's will in mind. You looked ahead into the future, and for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. You saw every one of us, and you said it was worth it. Ooh. 
You said it was worth it. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, come on. So we offer our lives to you. Come on, if, you, if you're distant from God, if your heart's not engaged, do it, make it right. Make it right now. Lord, I turn my heart to you. Soften our hearts. Break up the hardness of our hearts. Jesus. I love the scripture Ashley quoted where there is no vision, where there is no prophetic proclamations. The people cast off restraints. The people wonder. But I think the translation I remember best is, but happy is he who keeps the law. The favor of God comes upon those who say yes and engage their hearts. Oh, Jesus. I want to invite you to the front. We're, this is what we're coming up for. If you come up, this is what we're coming up for. I want to surrender my heart. I want to give everything to him. I don't want to hold anything back. I want to live a life of sacrifice, holy and pleasing before God. This is my act of worship, not the songs we sing or the offerings we give. My heart is my worship. God, I ask that you would bring revival to this house in this part of our worship, that we offer our hearts to you, engaged hearts. You initiate, we respond. Help us to be very responsive to you. Come on, you, you pray, you pray. Capture our hearts. <laughs> Capture our hearts, Jesus. Set us free from the poverty mindset that says, What's the least amount I can pay for the most reward? It's a poverty mindset to offer you an offering that costs us nothing. It's poverty. We break off the poverty spirit right now in Jesus' name. The lying spirit. This says we're the source or something else is the source. Jesus, you're the fountain. There is a fountain. Its name is Jesus. Never runs dry. So today we break off the lies of poverty right now. We sever the ties of poverty off of our hearts and we drink deep from the wells of salvation, the fountain of life. 
There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. His name is Jesus. We surrender our dreams. 
We surrender our schedules, our time, our talents, our treasure. Because the Lord said revival is here and revival is coming, we will do things differently. We will do the things a place of revival does. Amen? We will pray. We will fast. We will sacrifice. We will heal the sick. <laughs> we'll raise the dead. We'll heal the brokenhearted. All in response to him. Because there's no source in us. But we... <laughs> are drinking deep from the wells of salvation. Let me close with this. What does it look like practically for you in your home? When you face bad news, you have an opportunity to withdraw from the source of God's fountain. You have an opportunity to look sickness, death, pain, suffering, heart wounds, you have the opportunity to look it in the face and say, you're a lie. You have to bow to the will of God. Who are you, O mountain? But before me, you will become a plain. Why? Because it's not by might. Say this with me. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by his spirit, says the Lord. This is the opportunity ahead of us. And what do we get for engaging our hearts? We get the kingdom. We get the kingdom. Would you say that? What do I get for engaging my heart with Jesus? I get the kingdom. <laughs> yeah, he's our reward. But wherever the king goes, the kingdom goes. So, Father, we close in this prayer. May your kingdom come. Would y'all pray that? May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One more time. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. We bless you and your families for Christmas. If you want prayer, we'll meet you here at the front. We will have church next week for anyone that's able to be here. We're going to worship and enjoy the resurrected king who came to earth. Come on. We love you. We bless you. Ah, be revived. Be revived. Be revived. Amen. <laughs>